This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Today I will be reading an article by the great Catholic scholar Luis Sergio Solomeo. Mr. Solomeo's article is a meticulous look at Pope Francis's recent document, Querida Amazonia. The article was originally published on www.tfp.org on March 3, 2020. Now, Resisting the Grave Errors in Pope Francis's Apostolic Exhortation, Querida Amazonia, by Luis Sergio Solomeo, read by Edwin Benson. On February 2nd, Pope Francis finally made public the post-synodal apostolic exhortation, Querida Amazonia. It was eagerly awaited. With joy by those seeking a new and desacralized church, and with concern by those who love the church. Querida Amazonia neither corrected nor condemned the grave errors in the Synod's previous documents, both the Instrumentum Laboris and the final document, titled The Amazon, New Paths for the Church and for an Integral Ecology. Instead, the apostolic exhortation retained those documents' inspiration, namely the pantheistic evolutionism of the modernist heresy and Father Teilhard de Chardin, S.J., Consequently, the serious criticism from cardinals and bishops that the Instrumentum Laboris contains heresies and is implicitly pantheistic remains valid. Querida Amazonia does not quote church fathers and doctors, as would be expected in a pontifical document. Instead, it highlights communist writers and poets. This makes the papal document almost surreal. On the one hand, Querida Amazonia attributes to the Amazonian indigenous peoples beliefs and customs that do not exist there. They belong to natives from other regions. Such is the case, for example, with the Pachamama goddess, which became a symbol of the Amazon Synod. Pachamama is not worshipped by the Amazonian indigenous people, but by those of the Andes mountain system. Like the Synod of Bishops for the Pan-Amazon region itself, Pope Francis's post-synodal apostolic exhortation, Querida Amazonia, does not discuss the Amazon region as it is. Rather, the exhortation dreams of a utopia, an imaginary place or state in which everything is perfect, calling it Amazonia. Like the noble savage dreamed up by 18th century Enlightenment philosophy, the denizens of Querida Amazonia are also fictional. Perfect, pure and wise, indigenous living in direct contact with a pristine nature, a world where both jungle and tribesmen are as yet uncorrupted by progress and civilization. Since the noble savage myth pervades all of the Pan-Amazon Synod's documents, the Synod itself, and is one of the keys to understanding Carita Amazonia, it is worthwhile to explore it a bit more. Writing in 2004 on the myth of the good savage, Canadian professor Jeanne Boulanger offers interesting insights on the topic. Quote, Free, sensual, polygamist, communist, and good, these are the common features, highly caricatured, of the inhabitants of this best of all worlds. Without a doubt, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, 1712-1778, is recognized as the one who most shared this myth by defending this idea, which runs through most of his work, quote, Nature has made man happy and good, but society makes him depraved and miserable, unquote. For Rousseau, civilization and private property are evil. 
Professor Boulanger continues. In his philosophical essays, Rousseau claims that man's primitive state leads him toward virtue and happiness because his very ignorance of evil prevents it from spreading. The development of his intellect and his search for luxury, property, and power, encouraged by social institutions, are what cast man out of a paradise possibly closer to nature, unquote. And so it is for Curie de Amazonia as well. For Pope Francis, the Amazon's so-called original peoples have not been corrupted by social institutions. They have preserved an ancestral wisdom which they should transmit to the civilized world. Moreover, their wisdom must inform gospel enculturation in the Amazon region. A grouping of phrases from the exhortation illustrates the decisive role it ascribes to the natives' so-called ancestral wisdom. From paragraph number 22, The wisdom is the way of life of the original peoples. Paragraph number 30. Integration into urban life disrupts the cultural transmission of a wisdom that had been passed down for centuries from generation to generation. Paragraph number 32. Even now we see in the Amazon region thousands of indigenous communities, each distinct group in a vital synthesis with its surroundings, develops its own form of wisdom. Paragraph number 34. For centuries, the Amazonian peoples passed down their cultural wisdom orally with myths, legends, and tales. Paragraph number 42. The wisdom of the original peoples of the Amazon region inspires care and respect for creation with a clear consciousness of its limits and prohibits its abuse. Paragraph number 51. To protect the Amazon region, it is good to combine ancestral wisdom with contemporary technical knowledge, always working for a sustainable management of the land while also preserving the lifestyle and value systems of those who live there. Paragraph number 70. For the church to achieve a renewed enculturation of the gospel in the Amazon region, she needs to listen to its ancestral wisdom. Paragraph number 72. We are called to be their friends, to listen to them, to speak for them, and to embrace the mysterious wisdom which God wishes to share with us through them. Those who live in cities need to appreciate this wisdom and allow themselves to be re-educated. The concept of indigenous ancestral wisdom is one of Carita Amazonia's central points. Where would this so-called wisdom come from? What is its nature? The papal exhortation claims that it was supposedly transmitted orally with myths, legends, and tales. However, the exhortation says nothing about its origin or nature. Is this mysterious wisdom of natural or supernatural origin? Is it the result of grace or primitive revelation? Since Pope Francis claims that this ancestral wisdom should enculturate the church, then it would seem likely that he considers it to be of divine origin, imminent in man. This is also what the modernist heresy sustains. The word enculturation is used 20 times in Kirita Amazonia. It partners, as it were, in tandem with the ancestral wisdom myth. But if the natives already possess wisdom, quote, the goodness that already exists in Amazonian cultures, paragraph number 66, then the role of the church is not to convert them. Instead, the church, quote, brings it 
the supposed goodness, to fulfillment in the light of the gospel, also paragraph number 66. The apostolic exhortation exaggerates the role of culture, using the term 45 times. It urges a dialogue with an understanding of Amazonian sensibilities and cultures from within, paragraph 86. But Pope Francis goes far beyond this when he changes the classical theological axiom that grace presupposes nature to affirm that, quote, grace supposes culture, paragraph number 68. Now, according to the classic definition, grace is a, quote, supernatural gift of God to intellectual creatures, men or angels, for their eternal salvation, whether the latter be furthered and attained through salutary acts or a state of holiness. Hence, only a rational or intellectual nature is susceptible to grace, since it is by means of grace that the rational creature is led to its ultimate perfection, which consists in the vision of God's essence. In asserting that grace supposes culture, the human and angelic natures seem to be confused or identified with culture, which has a pantheistic flavor. If grace supposes culture, then it follows that Curita Amazonia wants to enculturate the gospel in the ancestral wisdom of the natives. Indeed, one reads in the exhortation, paragraph number 70, for the church to achieve a renewed enculturation of the gospel in the Amazon region, she needs to listen to its ancestral wisdom, listen once more to the voice of its elders, recognize the values present in the way of life of the original communities, and recover the rich stories of its peoples. In the Amazon region, we have inherited great riches from the pre-Columbian cultures. These include openness to the action of God, a sense of gratitude for the fruits of the earth, the sacred character of human life, and esteem for the family, a sense of solidarity and shared worship in common work, the importance of worship, belief in a life beyond this earth, and many other values. This ancestral wisdom of the Amazonian aborigines with which Pope Francis wants to enculturate the gospel included the practice of cannibalism and polygamy. Thirteen ethnic groups in the Amazon region still practice infanticide, with some support from Brazil's indigenous missionary council. It is impossible to reconcile these practices with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The dream presented in the Querida Amazonia of a church enculturated in the tribal molds was foreseen by the great Catholic thinker Plinio Correa de Oliveira in 1976 in his essay, Revolution and Counter-Revolution. Quote, Obviously, it is not only the temporal realm that the Fourth Revolution wants to reduce to tribalism. It wants to do the same with the spiritual realm. How is this to be done can already be clearly seen in the currents of theologians and canonists who intend to transform the noble, bone-like rigidity of the ecclesiastical structure as our Lord Jesus Christ instituted it and 20 centuries of religious life molded it into a cartilaginous, soft, and amorphous texture of dioceses and parishes without territories and of religious groups in which the firm canonical authority is gradually replaced by the ascendancy of Pentecostal Pentecostalist prophets, the counterparts of the structuralist tribalist witch doctors. 
Eventually, these prophets will be indistinguishable from witch doctors. The same goes for the progressivist Pentecostalist parish or diocese, which will take on the appearances of the cell tribe of structuralism, unquote. As part of this enculturation of the church with indigenous culture, Carita Amazonia has parts that evoke the church-condemned pantheistic evolutionism of Father Teilhard de Chardin, S.J., the so-called mystic of the cosmic Christ. Paragraph number 71 of the Apostolic Exhortation states that the indigenous peoples of the Amazon region express the authentic quality of life as good living. This involves communal and cosmic harmony, unquote. Carita Amazonia then goes on to this pantheistic-flavored Teardian tirade. Clearly, we should esteem the indigenous mysticism that sees the interconnection and interdependence of the whole of creation, the mysticism of gratuitousness that loves life as a gift, the mysticism of a sacred wonder before nature and all its forms of life. But at the same time, though, we are called in paragraph number 73 to turn this relationship with God present in the cosmos into an increasingly personal relationship with a thou who sustains our life and wants to give them a meaning, a thou who knows us and loves us. Paragraph number 74 continues, citing Pope Francis's Teardian encyclical Laudato Si, quote, Similarly, a relationship with Christ Jesus, true God and true man, liberator and redeemer, is not inimicable to the markedly cosmic worldview that characterizes the indigenous peoples, since he is also the risen Lord who permeates all things. The Son of God has incorporated in his person part of the material world, planting in it a seed of definitive transformation. Again, citing Laudato Si, paragraph number 81 states, The enculturation of Christian spirituality in the cultures of the original peoples can benefit in a particular way from the sacraments since they unite the divine and the cosmic grace and creation. In the Amazon region, the sacraments should not be viewed in discontinuity with creation. They are a privileged way in which nature is taken up by God to become a means of mediating supernatural life. They are the fulfillment of creation, in which nature is elevated to become a locus and instrument of grace, enabling us to embrace the world on a different plane. Still citing Laudato Si, paragraph number 82 suggests that matter is divinized and presents the Eucharist as a fragment of matter. Quote, In the Eucharist, God, in the culmination of the mystery of the Incarnation, chose to reach our intimate depths through a fragment of matter. The Eucharist joins heaven and earth. It embraces and penetrates all creation, Unquote. It is clear in these passages, perhaps more than in other places, how Pope Francis's new document exploits the Amazon and its indigenous peoples, using them as a mere pretext to spread evolutionary cosmic pantheism. Paragraph number 82 explains the liturgy's enculturation, quote, 
Encountering our God does not mean fleeing from this world or turning our back on nature. It means that we can take up into the liturgy many elements proper to the experience of indigenous peoples in their contact with nature and respect native forms of expression in song, dance, rituals, gestures, and symbols. The Second Vatican Council called for this effort to enculturate the liturgy among indigenous peoples. A telling illustration of how to do this Amazonian enculturation in church ceremonies was the worshiping of the Pachamama goddess, Mother Earth, done on October 4, 2019, in the Vatican Gardens, then in St. Peter's Basilica, and in a procession with two bishops carrying the idol on a kind of float from the basilica to the hall in which the Synod Fathers gathered. Pope Francis was present on all these occasions and gave the Pachamama idol a blessing during the first one. In Carita, Amazonia, Pope Francis seeks to justify all these ceremonies worshiping the Pachamama goddess, quote, It is possible to take up an indigenous symbol in some way without necessarily considering it as idolatry. A myth charged with spiritual meaning can be used to advantage and not always considered a pagan error. Paragraph number 79. Carita, Amazonia also reiterates the moral laxity of Amoris Laetitia, quote, The Church must be particularly concerned to offer understanding, comfort, and acceptance, rather than imposing straight away a set of rules that can only lead people to feel judged and abandoned by the very mother called to show them God's mercy. Paragraph number 84. Since Carita Amazonia does not mention the ordaining of married men as priests or women as deaconesses, some conservatives claimed victory. It is true that many liberal Catholics were looking forward to this step, and the final document called for it. Thus, in a sense, one can say that the omission was a conservative victory. However, as we will see below, it was not a true victory, but a Pyrrhic one. Pope Francis transcended the issue, addressing it on a much higher plane and in a devastating manner. The sad truth is that Carita Amazonia points to a change in the priestly ministry and liturgy that achieves the same results in practice without appearing to do so. This subversive change is in line with the new church's understanding of grace and the sacraments. Paragraph number 85 points out the way ahead for progressives in the form of a rhetorical question, quote, Enculturation should also be increasingly reflected in an incarnate form of ecclesial organization and ministry. If we are to enculturate spirituality, holiness, and the gospel itself, how can we not consider an enculturation of the ways we structure and carry out ecclesial ministries? True, the document states that only an ordained priest can consecrate and preside at the Eucharist. See paragraph numbers 86 to 90. However, Paragraph 94 also says that Amazonian enculturation, quote, requires the stable presence of mature and lay leaders endowed with authority and requires the church to be open to the Spirit's boldness to trust in and concretely to permit the growth of specific ecclesial culture that is distinctively lay. These mature and lay leaders sound very much like the synod's very probati. Since the type of authority these male or female mature and lay leaders will receive is not made clear, bishops or Episcopal conferences may interpret it as they see fit. 
This is how the bishops of Malta and Argentina interpreted Amoris Laetitia regarding the admission of divorced and remarried Catholics to Holy Communion. And just as those bishops received the Pope's approval, and that approval was proclaimed church magisterium, so also now one can reasonably foresee that Pope Francis will similarly approve these new church-with-an-Amazonian-face enculturation steps implemented by bishops in Brazil, Peru, Congo, India, or elsewhere. This methodology seems all the more likely, since Carita Amazonia, as seen, exhorts the fostering of a, quote, specific ecclesial culture that is distinctively lay. If, as discussed above, grace supposes culture, and culture must be clearly and distinctly lay, are we not headed to a lay church in which the priest's role is reduced to the celebration of the Eucharist and the absolving of sins, and he is stripped of all authority and superiority over the non-ordained laity? Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez of La Plata, Argentina, a close friend, ghostwriter for, and advisor to Pope Francis, made a very important remark on the secularization of the Church in an article published in L'Observatore Romano on February 17, 2020. After stating that the Pope in Carita Amazonia did not close the door on married priests, but only refrained from dealing with the matter, the Archbishop states, quote, In any case, the ecclesial dream expressed by Francis gives new impetus to the renewal of the Church. His appeal to create a distinctively lay Amazonian church is particularly strong. That is why Francis demands that the laity be endowed with authority. This entails reviewing a way of understanding the priesthood that relates too much to its power in the community. Francis explicitly talks about it in points 87 and 88. Francis specifies that when it is said that the priest is a sign of Christ the head, it must be understood as the source of grace, especially in the Eucharist, and not as a source of power. Therefore, the leadership of communities can be entrusted to lay leaders endowed with authority who can create a more participatory church, unquote. Along the lines of a distinctively lay Amazonian church, one of the reasons Pope Francis presented for not ordaining women as deaconesses is that to do so would be clericalism. Quote, It would lead us to clericalize women, diminish the great value of what they have already accomplished, and subtly make their indispensable contribution less effective. Paragraph number 100. In addition, it must be pointed out that the Pope has failed to sign an official teaching document of the Church using the classic formula, quote, given at Rome, at St. Peter's, etc. In signing the post-synodal apostolic exhortation, Carita Amazonia, Pope Francis employed a new and unconventional formula, quote, given at Rome at the Cathedral of St. John Lateran. This is not a meaningless detail. On the contrary, it signals yet another step toward creating a new church that is no longer hierarchical and monarchical, with the Pope as its supreme authority, but instead an egalitarian synodal church in the mold of the schismatic and heretical Orthodox churches which are governed by synods of bishops. In this new synodal church, the Pope would become merely the primus inter pares, the first among equals, having a primacy of honor, 
no longer a primacy of jurisdiction. Indeed, while St. Peter's Basilica symbolizes the Pope's universal power with the tomb of St. Peter, Prince of the Apostles, in its crypt, the Basilica of St. John Lateran is the cathedral church of the Diocese of Rome, of which the Pope is the bishop. By abandoning the classic formula for signing a papal document at St. Peter's, Pope Francis appears to signal that he is acting only as the Bishop of Rome, not as the Pope. He does this in a synodal document in which he strongly insists on the Church's synodality. Except for its form, Pope Francis changed nothing of the synod's prior documents in this new exhortation. Carita Amazonia presents the same errors contained in the Synod's Instrumentum Laboris and final document. Appearances were altered, but the essence remains the same. Worse, other errors were added, including doctrinal confusion on grace and culture, the sacraments, and the priestly ministry. Given its depth, global scope, and above all its undermining of the papacy and the priesthood, the Synod of Bishops on the Amazon region and its documents, including the apostolic exhortation Carita Amazonia, are symptoms of a crisis the likes of which Holy Church has never known. In the face of this situation, we cannot fail to render special veneration to St. Peter and all popes who shone for their sanctity on the pontifical throne. The errors and attitudes of Pope Francis should not lead anyone to say de vacantism, the disparagement of the papacy, or diminishing the authority and powers conferred by our Lord on St. Peter and his successors. To resist Pope Francis's error is not to revolt, which is never legitimate. Rather, it is filial obedience. It is to imitate St. Paul, who resisted St. Peter on the issue of the Judaizers. See Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. End of Resisting the Grave Errors in Pope Francis' Apostolic Exhortation, Carita Amazonia, by Luis Sergio Solomeo. Thank you so much for listening. The spoken presentation was edited slightly from the original article. The full text, including footnotes of this article, are available through www.tfp.org. For additional articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service from which you acquired it. In that way, you can help Return to Order to be more effective. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.